conference today. Uh, we want to launch from, uh, from uh, the Old Testament, from Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1, Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1, that should be appearing on your screen uh, momentarily. Psalm 1, from the English Standard Version. Uh, there you'll find these words. <clears throat> Blessed is a uh, person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, and on the Lord's law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for God's people. We pray that you receive it deep into your hearts and that it would bear fruit in your lives. We thank God uh, for God's word today. Uh, for the time that we have together, the second week of this series, Rhythm, Practicing, Pace, and Presence, I'd like to tag uh, this particular text with the topic, A Closer Walk, A Closer Walk, A Closer Walk. In my freshman, <coughs> freshman high school English class, freshman year of high school English class, I was introduced to a poem that has stuck with me for, for the 25 years since my first encounter with it. The poem is titled, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. In its four stanzas, it illuminates the reality of our human journey, that we are constantly faced with choices on the path that we decide to take. Sometimes those paths can look to be about the same, and we, have, and we just have to make a decision to go with one, recognizing the reality that once we have selected said path, it is very unlikely that we will ever have opportunity to return to the path that we did not choose. In fact, this is how Frost closes his poetic rendering. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one that's traveled by, and that has made all the difference. This final stanza of Frost's poem is a reminder for us that the path we choose to walk will often be the difference in the outcome of our lives. And often, the rhythms of our lives are determined by the decisions that we make, or as Frost su suggests, the paths we choose to walk. And to be sure, our lives are some total of the decisions that we make, and we are faced with many decisions along the way. Decisions about relationships, decisions about career paths, Decisions about where to live, decisions about how to spend our time, how to employ our talents, and how to manage our resources. Decisions about what to say, when to say it, and if it really needs to be said at all. Decisions about how we want to show up in the world in the various roles of our lives. And the question for us becomes, what is the guiding factor or framework for the decisions we make? What do we want our lives to become? After all is said and done, what, what legacy do we desire to leave when family and friends uh, in the greater world thinks of us? Regardless of our age, regardless of our stage in life, these are all questions 
that in some way operate in the recesses of our minds and can influence the paths we choose to take. And in fact, this is what we see in our text today. The choice between two paths. Psalm 1 is an introduction to the entirety of the book of Psalms and lays the groundwork for the entire journey of the Psalter. It falls in the category of a wisdom psalm and serves as the thesis statement for the journey of worship, lament, prayer, and praise that the Psalter contains. The wisdom of this psalm, and in turn the entire collection of psalms, is presented in the picture of what constitutes a blessed life. As noted in the opening verses, the blessed life finds its genesis in the path that we decide to follow. There is a path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. This is probably a good place to define what it means to be righteous and what it means to be wicked in terms of the psalmist and even the totality of the biblical witness. In both cases, it isn't based on our behavior, but on, our pro on the proximity and the submission of our hearts to God. It, it really becomes about our relationship with the divine and the ways in which the relationship is guiding the decisions we make. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, God describes this relationship very succinctly, saying, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is further expounded upon as we consider the fulfillment of this promise through the death of Jesus that covers and justifies us before God as we accept Christ as our Savior. Even more, our, righteous, uh, our righteousness comes as we allow the power of God, the power of the resurrection, and the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work within us. On the flip side, to consider being considered wicked is simply a total disregard for any relationship with God. It is to echo the reflection of the psalmist which observes that the fool says in their heart, there is no God. It is to live as if there is no intersection between the concerns of our lives and the concerns of God. Wickedness, like righteousness, may or may not be revealed in our actions, but it is definitely a matter of the heart. It is to live as if God doesn't matter. And to be clear, we can very well have knowledge of the teachings of God, but still go along our, our lives and living our lives as if God doesn't matter to us beyond checking the religious boxes that we have for ourselves. Listen, just because you're in virtual worship today, just because you showed up and been in church your whole life, doesn't mean that church has got in to you. God has something to say about all areas of our lives. And when we don't let God into those areas, we are living as if to tell God that we've got it under control and we don't need God's help. And so the psalmist's conclusion is very uh, clearly pronouncing that the path of the righteous leads to abundant life, while the path of the wicked leads to a life that ends in nothingness. And I would imagine that given the choice of these two very clear paths, we would obviously choose the one that leads us to life, but often, that choice can be one that is much more challenging because of the continued influence of the world around us and because we often have not taken the time to allow ourselves to be closely and intimately aligned with the principles and the precepts of God in a way that gives us the clarity we need to make the decisions 
experiences that will keep us on the path of life. To say it another way, choosing the path that leads to life isn't a one-time decision, y'all, but it's the continuous combination of decisions that we make. Choosing God's way wasn't just that one time and that one place that led us to say yes to Christ in, to, in order to receive our salvation. For if we stop there, we barely scratch the surface of what God has for us. But him writer penned these words, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. This is the prayer and the petition of one who desires to be close to God. However, I would remind us that God has already cleared the path for us. We just have to choose the path that leads us to be continuously and intimately uh, experiencing God's divine presence. God is ready to walk and waiting to walk with us. We just have to choose the closer walk with God that allows God to lead us down the paths of righteousness for God's own namesake and for our benefit. So then what does this song teach us today about what it means to have a closer walk with God so that more often than not, we are choosing the path of righteousness for our lives. Three points, three things that the text teaches us and I'll be out of your way this morning. Uh, first, the lesson, uh, first lesson rather we can gain is that a closer walk with God begins with steady filling. Steady filling. You ought to put that in the comments. Steady filling. F-I-L-L-I-N-G. Filling. The psalmist is very clear about presenting contrasting images in verses 1 and 2 in order to help us see these two paths, what these two paths look like and to begin to determine how we want to approach our own journey. Text says, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's a way that leads towards a blessed life, and there's a way that leads away from the blessed life. The psalmist begins with sharing that what the blessed person was sharing what the blessed person does not do. That is, he or she does not intentionally choose to be influenced by those who are living with the perspective that God doesn't matter. The mockers, the gossipers, the sinners, the scornful, the wicked are not the company they choose to keep. And we ought to be mindful and careful about the influences that are around us because before we know it, we can be pulled down a path and settled into a place that might sound right and might seem right, but has us far from God. Beyond what the person, uh, beyond what the blessed person does not do, however, is what the blessed person actually does in verse number two. Delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. The word law is probably better understood as instruction. It comes from the Hebrew word Torah, and usually when we hear the term Torah, we think of the Mosaic law or the Levitical law, or even contents, uh, even the contents of the Holy Scripture uh, in total. This is certainly part of the instruction that the Lord gives. However, we must recognize that God, through the Holy Spirit, continues to teach us, continues to guide us, and continues to lead us into all truth as we allow his presence to be magnified in our lives. God gives us instruction from Scripture and by God's Spirit. And the challenge for us comes in how, uh, in how in tune we are with God to receive it and to apply it to our lives. This is where the idea of meditating 
was in in our text. Uh, perhaps one of the most important books that I have ever read is The Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. The author, Richard Foster, says this, the purpose of meditation is to enable us to hear God more clearly. Meditation is listening, sensing, heeding the life and light of Christ. This comes right to the heart of our faith. The life that pleases God is not a set of religious duties. It is to hear his voice and obey his word. Meditation opens the door to this way of living, end quote. Meditation on the Christian journey is not a way for us to completely empty ourselves as it is practiced in other belief systems. However, it is a way for us to allow ourselves to be filled with the revelation from the Spirit of God. This is what the psalmist is suggesting in our text, not spending uh, only not only spending time reading and memorizing scripture, but consistently creating space for the steady flow of God's truth and instruction to fill us up, which in turn helps us more often than not to choose the path that leads towards the blessed life. The idea of meditation has a connotation related to the imagination. The same word used in the original language is used uh, in other places in the Psalms to mean plot, conspire, and strategize to explore the possibilities of an idea. And perhaps this is what the psalmist is suggesting in this opening uh, division of Psalms, saying that the blessed person is meditating on the instruction of the Lord, meaning that he or she is exploring the possibilities for application of the instruction for their own lives. Maybe the suggestion is that we ought to be constantly and steadily filling our minds, considering the possibilities for the application of the instruction of the Lord daily to our lives. And as we engage in scripture and as the spirit of God instructs us, we ought to be asking the question, how can I put into practice what God is teaching me? The reality is that many of us have memorized scripture and heard the Lord speak to us clearly, but have not applied it to our lives. We have been hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. And knowledge without application doesn't lead to a life of change. And maybe the very thing that has been keeping us from life more abundantly is the fact that we haven't fully applied what we've learned. And if we're going to choose a path of righteousness for our lives, it requires uh, that we find our pleasure in, the, in allowing the instruction of the Lord to shape us and to mold us and to correct us and to constrain us. We can know all the scripture and hear all the instruction from God and find ourselves still on the road with the mockers, the sinners, and the scornful. And perhaps as we consider where we are and what we do, it is, it is a result of not allowing ourselves to be truly filled with the instruction of God. Yet if we open ourselves up to a closer walk with God by spending time in reflection, meditation, and application, we will start to see things in our lives shift for the better. In fact, our, our, our daily prayer ought to be, God, if you will provide your spirit, I will open up my life. Fill me up. Not only does a closer walk begin with a steady feeling, but it also brings about sustained faithfulness. You ought to type that in the comments, sustained faithfulness, sustained fruitfulness, sustained fruitfulness. The second picture of Psalm 1 comes from the agricultural world. 
In verses 3 and 4, it contrasts the righteous as a strong tree and the wicked as, a, as waste particles of grain called chaff. He is like the tree, the text says, planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff the wind drives away. The psalmist here is reminding us that steady, that steady filling will position us for the sustained fruitfulness because we are one, we are in a position uh, to a constantly flowing of the constantly flowing source of life. The idea of a tree being planted by streams of water in the text is actually referring to trees that are transplanted to be near irrigation canals. Irrigation canals are man-made passages that allow water to pass through. This changes how we've come to understand these verses because the implication is that we don't naturally find ourselves in these positions. But there are some, but there is some cultivation and irrigation that is required for our growth. And we often have to allow the Spirit of the Lord to uproot us and replant us into situations that will promote our prosperity by deepening our roots into the nutrient-rich soil of God's Word. In other words, placement matters. We can't place ourselves in situations that stunt our growth and then be mad about the fact that we aren't growing. We can't resist the work of the Spirit seeking to turn over the soil of our lives and then be upset about the fact that we aren't producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If we don't position ourselves properly, then the prosperity that the psalmist writes about will escape us. This is what we see as the author talks about the wicked being like a child that is blown away. On the Middle Eastern hills, there were areas where the grain was taken uh, called the threshing floor. And in these areas, the farmers would toss back its baskets of grain in the air, allowing the wheat to fall to the threshing floor and the chaff or the husks that surrounded the wheat to be blown away. They were so easily blown away, y'all, because they had nothing in them. They had no substance to them. They had no weight about them. And so the wind could just pick them up and blow them off to the side, separating them from the wheat. This is the way of the wicked, y'all, being blown with every wind that comes and unable uh, to be stable enough to produce anything of substance. And we have to ask ourselves, what is our life producing? Because the answer we have come up with will like the answer we come up with rather will likely tell the story about what our source is. If we feel as if we are being blown all over the place, we might not be as connected to God as we may. But if we find ourselves in stable in any condition, in any circumstance, able to endure the ups and the downs of a life, um, and this is a good sign that our roots run deep into the soil and are gathering the life-giving nutrients uh, from the Spirit of God. This is not to suggest, y'all, that we are always producing fruit. For the psalmist is clear that we are that we are like the tree that produces fruit in its season. Fruit, fruitfulness isn't always about uh, the actual fruit produced and harvested. Often it is about the ability to be healthy and living and uh, with green leaves in seasons that would drain the life out of other folks. And certainly we've all survived some seasons that have caused others to wilt up. And while every season isn't our season to produce fruit, every season is our season to show healthy signs of life. 
This is what Jesus was alluding to in John chapter 15 when he implored the disciples to remain connected to him. For if they did, they could produce fruit, but apart from him, they could produce nothing. There would be seasons of cultivation and pruning and cutting back, but it was all for the greater growth of the branch. And if we want to sustain our fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of our lives in any season, we have to learn to keep our lives grounded in the instruction of God. Because it is in the instructions of God that we find the source of life. It is in the instructions of God that we find the source of prosperity. It's in the instructions of God that we find our source of strength, our source of substance, and our source of sustenance. And if we are faithful to God's word for our lives, then we will be fruitful and prosperous in all that we do. Because of all, begins with a steady feeling which brings about sustained fruitfulness. And finally, a closer walk leads us to a secured future. Somebody type that in the comments, a secured future. The psalmist closes this opening entry of the Psalter with the view toward the final destination for both the wicked and the righteous. Verses five and six say, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation uh, of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It is interesting to me uh, that the focus in these final two verses is mostly on the outcome of the wicked. And that outcome can be summarized simply in two words, separation and destruction. If we were to look down the road for those who are on the path of the ungodly, this would be their end. And it would ultimately be because it's the path they chose to take. This is not only separation from God, but a separation from those who are considered to be righteous. The psalmist opens the chapter pointing out that the wicked are those who decide to stand in the way of sinners. Therefore, there is no, there is no way that when we get to the end of the psalm, they're able to stand in the congregation of the righteous because they've already made their decision. And in fact, this is the choice that we have to make. I think the old church used to ask it, ask it this way, whose side are you leaning on? And the response was always leaning on the Lord's side. But y'all, this has to be more than a nostalgic song, a nostalgic moment of call in response. But it has to be a conscious decision that we make every day because our future depends on it. The choices we make about where we stand today will impact our future. And if we don't desire to have our lives drifting like a ship without a sail blown away, like the chaff in the wind or eternity's threshing floor and fading farther and farther from the abundant life that God has intended for us, we ought to determine today and every day that we want to follow the way that leads to ever-growing closeness to God. We want the way that ties the fortunes of our lives to the plans, the principles, the precepts, and the purpose of the divine. We want the way that promises that, uh, that come what may, God will protect us. God will cover us and God will keep us safe in the palm of God's divine hand. Uh, and this is what the singular phrase of the final two verses of Psalm 1 that relates to the righteous illuminates for us. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Yeah, that's it. That's all, all I got. It's not flashy, but it's enough for me and it ought to be enough for you. That the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This knowledge uh, that God possesses is an intimate knowledge of a personal connection, a deep 
relationship between the knower and between that which is known. I, I suggest today that it implies, I suggest today that it implies the rhythms of the Lord uh, and the righteous have come in sync, that they're moving harmoniously together. Uh, in short, if the Lord knows the way of the righteous and I am walking the way of the righteous, then that means that the Lord will see me as I go. That's good news. You know what the song says. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart uh, feel lonely and long for heaven uh, and home with Jesus? is my portion, the constant friend. Is he for his eye is on the sparrow. And I know that God watches me. And if the Lord watches me, then I know that I'll never be lost along the way. If the Lord watches me, then I know that God is never too far to reach me. If the Lord watches me, I know that I can look behind me and God will be there. I can look ahead of me and God will be there too. If the Lord is watching me, there's no place that I can go to avoid God's spirit. I can be out. I can be in the sky or in the depths of the underground and God will be there. As far as the east is from the west, God will be there. If God is watching me, if God knows my way because I'm walking the way of the righteous, then we can be assured that our future uh, is secure. And so today, I want to encourage you, don't wait any longer uh, for we know what the end of the wicked is. For those whose lips cry, Lord, Lord, for whose hearts are far from God, for those who live as if God doesn't matter and has no care for the day-to-day -day concerns of life, we know what their end is. The text tells us in the very last phrase that the weight of the wicked will lead to perish, to perishing and destruction. So we ought to choose the way of the righteous, the way of sustained fruitfulness, the way of steady feeling, and the way of a secure future. Uh, in fact, that's what the songwriter was talking about uh, when he wrote the words to the hymn that says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds for our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship, sweet, we will sit or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do. Where he sins we will go. Never fear. Only trust and obey. And the chorus of the song says simply trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If we want to choose, we ought to choose a closer walk with the Lord. If we want to walk into a blessed life, we want to align our If we want to walk into a blessed life, we want to align our wills with what God is up to in the world. Continuously find ourselves in the presence of the Lord. We ought to choose to trust uh, and, obey, and obey. We got to choose a closer walk with the Lord this day. Come on, let's bow forward and pray. God, we thank you for the witness of Psalm chapter 1 which shows us that we have a path to choose. We can't walk down both paths, but we ought to choose a path that leads to a blessed life, a happy life, a prosperous life, a deeply rooted life, a life of substance and sustenance, a life that will be able to sustain the challenges that may come our way, a life that is not fickle, a life that is not blown this way and that by the wind, 
but life that is steady and stable because it is rooted and grounded in your word and in your presence and in your presence and in your instruction to us, God. So help us this week, help us this day to commit ourselves to you, God, to trusting and obeying your instruction you provide for us. Help us this week, God, walk closer with us. We want a closer walk with you. We want to walk worthy. Uh, we want to walk closely with you, God, so that we can be in step with where you would have us to go and what you would have us to do so that we can always find ourselves more often than not walking in your will. God, today we pray for some man, woman, boy, and girl uh, who may need to say yes to you today through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we're praying that they will make that commitment by the power of your Holy Spirit today. God, we're praying for one who needs to rededicate their lives today, that they would that they would find a way to just say yes, to turning back, uh, to walking back closely with you, that they can that they can change you and now, God. They have an opportunity to choose the course they desire to go. So help them, God, encourage them by your spirit to choose you today. God, we pray that for one who may need to decide today. Uh, to join their lives and partner their lives with the work that you're doing through our church here at TMCBC. God, we pray, God, that you continue to be with us through the remainder of this week, God. Bless us and keep us now. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.